And uh, Hebrews chapter 8, and <clears throat> you know, how many know that there is a, um, there is a transition between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, that there is a change, you know? Um, Jesus and the cross changed everything Amen. and uh, changed the way that we relate to God and, and changed the way that our relationship functions with God. And uh, it's just so important to understand. And, you know, a good portion of the body of Christ still still got an Old Covenant uh, type of relationship with the Lord. And um, it's, it, it's unfortunate, but um, how many know that people's eyes are, are being opened to the New Covenant and, and they're starting to understand that, that things are different? And, um, and really, the, the, the thing that, that really is highlighted in the, in the New Covenant is, um, you know, how many know that, that, that you're called to have your own personal relationship with the Lord? And that, that really is, that's, that's one of the defining characteristics of the New Covenant. A, it's based on forgiveness. <clears throat> and then B, you're called to have your own personal relationship with God. And that, that's what's actually highlighted, and that's what's important. Let's look at it here. Hebrews chapter 8, <clears throat> excuse me, this is talking about the new covenant. And in verse 10, it says, for this is the covenant that I will make the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And so, you know, no longer do we have a standard of righteousness that we're trying to live up to through our actions and our behavior how I many of oh, the Lord Jesus Himself has become the standard and He's been placed inside of us now, right? And so God is not, um, uh, he, He's now writing His laws in your mind and on your heart. What does that mean? That means there's, a, there's the leading of the Spirit. There's the want to. There's the desire. And that's how God's going to lead you now, you know? Uh, this life is too complicated to be navigated just with a set of rules, um, how many of the Spirit of God will, will lead you? You know, like, for example, this morning, I was in, a, I was, you know, I have different goals every day. <clears throat> One of my Sunday goals is to get done quick enough that I can go get a muffin from Doe Daddy's <laughs> in Versailles. Have you ever been to Doe Daddy's? They got some donuts. I'm telling you right now, it's good stuff. <clears throat> so, but they have my favorite muffin. They have a cranberry muffin. Makes Starbucks look awful in comparison. So much better. And, um... There's, uh, there's these little elderly ladies that work in there, and I just love them, and I get a chance to talk to them and pray with them and pray for their grandkids and stuff like that, and we've just developed a rapport. And so we had managed to get there in time, and so we were in there, and it was packed. I'm talking rocking. And they had no coffee, you know, and, uh, and all their coffee is gone. I thought, well, I'm going to make them coffee. I'm going to make coffee because there's only two of them back there, and I felt bad for them. <clears throat> and so there's people everywhere. And, and they're, just, they're doing the best they can. And I come around, and down here, now, how I many know what, I'm, what, what God's about to lay on my heart isn't necessarily written in Scripture, but it's the leading of the Spirit. And down here in my heart, I thought, they need a hug. These, these, these little old ladies need a hug, man. And, um, and I said, man, I said, you know, because, I mean, they were stressed and stuff like that, and they were having a hard time, and people were waiting. And I said, I said, I said, uh, I said girls, y'all look like y'all need a hug. And, uh, and, she, and the one that I pray with on the right, she said, I do need a hug. And, and I said, well, can I give you a hug? She said, please. And so right in the middle of that store with all the people there, I ran around the side and gave her the biggest hug and just got to love on her for just a second. And, and, and how many know that wasn't necessarily written in Scripture, but it was written on my heart. And how did God write it? Did God speak, give you a vision of you hugging her? Did God? No, no. It was just a, it was a desire. It was a, she needs love right now. You know, and it was an unction. It was a desire. It's not this weird hocus pocus type stuff. It doesn't have to always be this supernatural, you know, writing your name in the sky type thing. It's just living out of your heart. And down here in my heart, it was written there. And so I got to share the love of Jesus with her. She's a believer. And then we also got to be a witness to everybody that was in that place. And it was a beautiful thing. And it was just the leading, just the leading of the Spirit. And how many know that in the day and times that we're living in, the Spirit of God may lead you to do unusual things? Things that not everybody else is doing. Things that are different. How many know if man-made religion could get the job done, it would have already been done? <clears throat> Man-made religion doesn't have the ability to get the job done. 
Because it's going to do what's always been done and what is like the required and normal thing to do. How many know Jesus didn't operate like that? How many know Jesus did unusual things? Now, he, did, he wasn't weird for the sake of being weird. That needs to be said. Because we've had uh, portions of time in the body of Christ where the weirder you were, the more spiritual you were. <laughs> y'all, been, y'all been there for Y'all went to that church? I did. <clears throat> you know, and like, you know, sis so-and-so is so spiritual. Why? Because she's so weird. Ain't nobody know what she's talking about, you know. And, 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 re- and really, it's, it's, an, it's an element of self-righteousness. I mean, you know, anytime I'm looking to draw attention to myself, I'm in the flesh. It's a sense of self-justification is what it is. Amen. We can laugh. We can laugh and cry over all that stuff. But, but, but weird for the sake of weird is not what I'm talking about. But how I many you know Jesus said, I do those things that I see my father do. And there were times when Jesus did unusual things. There were times when, you know, uh, he would spit in somebody's eye. You know, there were times when he would take mud and put it in somebody's eye. There were times when he would go to the leper and he would touch them. And all of, see, Jesus came under the old covenant showing us what it looked like for someone to have a personal relationship. How many of y'all Jesus didn't do what everybody expected him to do? All the time. All the time. Like, you know, he's like, okay, today's the Sabbath. We're going to heal today. Now, you know what I'm saying? Because that's how Jesus was. Now, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they didn't want him to heal on the Sabbath. But he was showing them that a personal relationship is more than just religious structure. Are y'all tracking me? How many of your love will lead you to do something that's unusual and inconvenient? That does not make sense to other people. If you're going to have a personal relationship with God, you're going to be led to do things that are out of the box. And I'm, I'm here to tell you right now that it's those things that God's going to lead you to do in the days ahead that are going to make a difference in your family, in your community, um, in the world around you. How many know that, that there's a real mob mentality right now? You know, and the church is always, and the, and the, the religious church has always operated under a mob mentality, unfortunately. You know, uh, and, and so we're, but how many know we're not under a mob mentality? We're under a spirit led mentality. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. Can I get an amen? You know, that, that's, that's really, that's where the power is. That's where um, the presence of the Lord is. That, everything that's good is out of that place of, of personal leading. And Jesus was always doing things. He was always doing things out of the box. He was always doing things different. You know, I mean, his disciples ate corn on the Sabbath day, you know. And, and there was just a sense of... He operated in a personal relationship with God. Now, how many of the same level of intimacy and personal relationship that Jesus enjoyed that you and I have been called into? Why did he have such a great relationship with God? Because he was right with God. Jesus did not deal with condemnation. Jesus did not deal with a sense of guilt. Jesus did not deal with the sense of I'm not good enough or I don't measure up. You know why? Because he was righteous. He was born righteous, right? Now, under the new covenant, he has given you his righteousness as a gift to enjoy the same level of intimacy in relationship with the Father. Okay? Because in Philippians chapter 3, it says that we'll, we'll know him as we understand that we're the righteousness of God. There's a sense of knowing the Lord when you know that you're right with him. I mean, you know, you don't draw near to and communicate well with someone you think is disappointed or mad at you. When you think someone's mad at you, how many you know relationship gets messed up? Step further. How many you know when you think that someone is disappointed in you, relationship is messed up? But what God has given to you through the cross is He's given you an open door of fellowship, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that you can't mess up. Because your right standing with God is not an action or a behavior. Your right standing is a person. His name is Jesus, right? And so this open door of relationship and fellowship is what's going to actually take you and lead you into this exciting life of being led of the Spirit. 
Because that, you know, we're no longer under the law of Moses, but it doesn't mean that we're, we're lawless. Can I get an amen? What do we operate under now? We're under the law of faith, the law of love, and the law of liberty. And the, and, and, and the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When I was in that uh, donut place, li- the life of Christ Jesus in me said, hug her. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to hug her. You know, and, and so like, d- now, d- would that look weird to somebody? I mean, you know, if there were a Pharisee or Sadducee there, they may look at that young man hugging that woman. That's inappropriate. You know, they could, they could have easily, ju- I mean, but here's the thing. I, I, but the more you grow in relationship with the Lord, with the Lord, I mean, you care a lot less about what people think about you. It's really the only way to get set free from the opinions of other people is to know that you have the approval of God. I mean, you know, if Jesus was trying to be politically correct, he could not finish his ministry. You know, if Jesus was trying to make everybody happy, if you'll notice, Jesus never tried to make everybody happy. Ever. Like, it was not a priority to, make any, to really make anybody happy except God. He said, I'm here to serve God. You know, I mean, even, even when his, his family said, hey, you know, you're beside yourself. He's like, look, who are my, my brothers and sisters? You know, who is my family but they that do the will of God? I mean, he didn't cave into family pressure. He didn't cave into political pressure. I mean, he had political pressure from the Roman Empire to shut his mouth. And then how many know he had religious pressure? That's probably his biggest pressure is, was the man-made religious pressure. But he did not care about the consequences of following God. He did not care about the consequences of following God. He did not care about the consequences of following God. Amen. You know, because in the day and age we're living in, if you're going to follow God, there's going to be consequences. You're not going to be liked. You're not going to be celebrated. You know, the moment any celebrity, sports figure or you know, singer or actor tries to take a step out of the status quo and have any type of opinion for themselves, they are stoned publicly, aren't they? Because, because there's, this, there's this sense of pressure that you have to do what everybody else is doing. But I'm here to tell you right now, as a, as a believer, as a child of God, <clears throat> this, a personal relationship with God is going to lead you out of those tight circles of man's approval and the needs of of man's opinion and validation and all of these things so that you can be spirit-led. The Bible says that they that know their God will be strong and do exploits. See, it's not just doing something because somebody else did something, and that's where we've messed up a lot. We're like, well, you know, so-and-so's over here, you know, raising the dead and, you know, doing this and doing that and they're doing this and they're doing that and they're doing this and they're doing that. And then you go try to make what God's leading them to do a formula and go try to do exactly. Now, nothing against, you know, raising the dead or casting out demons or anything. That's all biblical. But, 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 you know, I've seen people take all that they have and give it away and go bankrupt. And they did it because somebody else did it, not because God told them to do it. You know, because it's not about following someone else's relationship with God. It's about you having your own relationship with God. When Stacy and I stepped into full-time ministry, we stepped into full-time ministry with no paycheck. We quit our jobs and went into full-time ministry. You know why? Because God told me to do it. God told me to do it. A pastor didn't tell me to do it. Another person didn't tell me to do it. God told me to do it. And when God spoke to my heart to do it, I was like, you're going to have to tell my wife. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, you know, fear of God, fear of wife. Ah! <laughs> and, uh, and, but he was on me about it. He was like, you know, just on my heart. I need you to quit your job and I need you to focus on ministry. And I'm just like, oh, gosh. So, you know, I told my wife and she wasn't excited at all. She was like, if anybody should be quitting their job, it's me. I mean, I, that was because, you know, I mean, you know, and, and, and I was like, well, let's just both quit our jobs, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, because, I mean, you know, it stretched her natural mind and it would stretch anybody's natural mind. But for two years, we had no paycheck. All our bills were paid. We never missed a meal. 
Now, we had some challenging times. We talked to bill collectors on the phone. You know, we had times when, you know, we, 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 uh, we used to do this outreach called, uh, well, I won't tell you what it's called, but we used to do this outreach. And, you know, and when the outreach, one of the things we do is you eat hot dogs to feed people. And we would eat the leftover hot dogs. Like, that's how, that's how we had sustenance for our family, you know? We did. And, um, and, and, you know, and it was pressure. And, and, she, and, we had a, we had, and then she got pregnant during that time. Like, we quit our jobs and Stacy got pregnant. Hallelujah. Are we crazy or what? You know, I was like, Lord, your timing's a little off, you know? And, uh, but, you know, I look back now, and those, are, those times are so precious to me because those times are in my pocket that my God will be faithful to me when I don't have anywhere else to turn. So in the days ahead and while they're talking about in this economy and all this craziness, I ain't scared because I've seen God provide for me in the wilderness already. You understand what I'm saying? So I know he's going to provide for me again. Can I get an amen? And so like those moments of pressure where you're stepping out and you're being led by the spirit of God, those are valuable moments because each time you're, you, you listen and do what God is telling you to do over what anybody else is telling you to do. It develops inside of you. It starts to break you away from the need for people's approval. And it also develops a sense of deep trust and confidence in the Lord. It's extremely important. Now, here's the thing, and this is really important too. God's not going to lead you to do something contrary to Scripture. you got to have... Scripture is your... This is your anchor. Because there's a whole lot of voices out there. And people have heard a whole lot of crazy stuff. You know, and, and, and just because, well, God told me this. Well, sweetheart, if it's not in the book, then we can't, we can't jump. Well, God told me I need four wives. Uh-uh. No, you don't. You can only handle one. <laughs> and you need Jesus to handle that one. Amen. Amen. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, people get weird when they say, well, I heard the voice say this, and I heard it say that. Man, if it's not in the book, I know that's Old Testament, but... New Testament, we got forgiveness of sin and one wife and one husband or whatever. Anyway, praise God. But uh, my, my, my point being is it, it's got to line up with Scripture. But within the parameters of Scripture, you hearing God and have a personal relationship with God is really good for you in your development and your growth. And how many of you know, that's what Jesus died to give you? Can I get an amen? And so we go on to the next portion of this passage. It says, None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Now you have to understand that the Old Testament paradigm, there's only three groups of people that were anointed. The prophet, the priest, and the king. And they were the ones that heard God, and then they relayed that message to the people. So people had a lot of their time looking at people to hear from God. And then you take a step further, you know, when Moses is leading them out of, um, out of Egypt, how I many you know all eyes were on Moses? But I mean, initially when they first come out, God wanted all eyes on him. But they couldn't handle that. And they said, no, no, let Moses hear from you. Let Moses be our go-between. How I many you know people struggle having a personal relationship with God? They do. It's amazing. It's so sad, too, because it's what Jesus died to give us. But people feel more comfortable. Let a man tell me what to do. Let a woman tell me what to do. Let a minister tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. And, and, and what happens is, is they're actually cheapening what, the, what God intended. How many of people are quick to get their eyes on a person? They like to look at a person. They like to worship. We're, we're bent towards worship. We love to worship people. We don't worship, you know, wood and, and, and gold figures anymore. We worship people. Give me an athlete to worship. Give me a, give me a, um, a rapper to worship. Give me somebody to worship. But... But the, the New Testament church, you shouldn't be worshiping anybody up here behind this pulpit. And we major on this in this church because it's a part of the new, the new Covenant. I mean, you know, the person behind the pulpit has no more of a right to God than you do. Can I get an amen? Now, certainly there are people that are called to leadership. But you know what, they, well, you know what leadership does? It serves. And, and it sets an example. But the best thing a leader can do is point to Jesus. Possibly follow me as I follow Christ. And Paul said, look, if I start preaching something contrary to what you see in the Scripture, then you need to leave me and keep following what we preached. He exalted the message of the gospel above his person. And we live in a world where, 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 
we got this cult of personality where people exalt the, the persona and the, and the um, um, golly, the, chariz- the charisma and all of these types of things. And, and we, 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 that's, we have to be careful not to fall back into idol worship in the church. How I many other churches got caught up in idol worship? Worshiping preachers and praising worship leaders and churches and all that stuff. Look, man, you you know, Paul, I love what Paul said. He said, Who's Paul? Who's Apollos? We're just you know, who we're just people that serve God with you. How I many know why would you want to have a relationship with a picture when you can have a relationship with the real person? You tracking me here? You have a straight line to Jesus Christ. And you don't need any human being to open that door for you. You know, the reason we're having church today is you brought God in here with you when you came. You are the temple of the Most High God. You're the Holy of Holies. He's living inside of you. Now, I'm not saying let's throw out all leadership and we don't need leaders. No, in, the, in Scriptures, leadership is a clear thing that's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. How many know we need leadership in church? Can't get an amen. How many know you need leadership in the home, in the family? How many know you need leadership in the school system, in your job? You need leadership. Leadership's good. It's the way God set things up. But in the midst of leadership, remember, and this is where the new covenant is different. He said, don't say, you know, know the Lord, know the Lord, know the Lord, know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. Because the children of Israel had been spent a couple thousand years learning a pyramid system. The priest, the high priest is awesome. The other priests are awesome. And then there's just us. Right? Not like that anymore. Amen? I mean, that's been obliterated. Every mountain should be brought low and every valley should be brought up. How many know we're family now? Nobody in this room any better than anybody else. I love saying that when I preach in other churches because it shocks people. Like we hear it so much, it doesn't shock us anymore. But when I go to other churches and say there's no one in this room any better than anybody else, it's like the whole room gets shook. And they're like, and everyone in their spirit's like, that's right. Why, why didn't we think that? But it's not been taught because there's been an element of old wineskin in, uh, yeah, old wine, new wine and old wineskin. How I many don't work? There's a new model, man. <clears throat> and the new model is this you bring your relationship with God to the table when you come to church. Can I get an amen? How many of God can speak out of you? How many of many times in church, either after service or during worship or whatever, people will have a word? You know, when we do our Bible studies and stuff like that, other people share. Other people speak. How many of we can learn from each other? He said, I would that you all prophesy. I would that you all had a psalm. Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. And, and so it's a, <clears throat> it's a different format. Your personal relationship with God. How many know a lot of this weird cult stuff that we see in the church wouldn't be there if people would understand they had their own relationship with God? How many know people have gotten really weird because they've allowed an individual to stand in the place of God for them, and power has been abused? How many know it's? I have a tickle in my throat. God in Jesus' name. Probably some of that muffin I ate earlier. <laughs> it's a cranberry. Um, <clears throat> but you hear God for you better than anybody else does. And, and what comes out of the pulpit or comes out of a prophetic gifting or whatever, as a New Testament Christian, it should confirm what's already in your heart. And if it doesn't confirm what's already in your heart, then you set it aside. Now, if the Scriptures are speaking something contrary to what's in your heart, the Scriptures will correct you. Can't get an amen. You've got to exalt the Word of God above everything else. You know, if someone says, comes up, you know, this is the example we always use because it's just a good example. You know, there's a married couple. Someone else comes up and says, well, you know, that's, that's my husband. God told me that's my husband. That's not, the, that's not scriptural. There, there's, 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 there's no gift of adultery. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, they're, they're, that just is not there. You know, God's not going to give you somebody else's husband. God's not going to give you somebody else's wife. It doesn't work like that. God's not going to dishonor a covenant. 
to satisfy somebody's lust. <clears throat> He's not going to do that. And so if someone thinks that they're hearing something that's contrary to Scripture, you need to allow the Scriptures to correct you. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Yeah. got to let the Word of God correct you. How many of the Word of God will, will, will divide between soul and spirit, right? But if, if, if someone is speaking something into your life, like in, in ministries I've been involved in, someone would tell somebody that they got to marry somebody in the church. And they don't even want to marry them. And they're so sad because they got to marry him because the prophet told them they had to marry him. That is about the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. I mean, I'm embarrassed that I was even there to have been a part of that. <clears throat> but, but, but why does that happen? Old wine, or excuse me, new wine and old wineskins. Let's, let's lay out the analogy of that. If I take new wine and put it in old wineskin, it pops and breaks because it can't handle it. If you take the Old Covenant and New Covenant and you put it together, it turns into this weird Frankenstein monster that God never intended. Talking about man-made religion. I mean, all across America, cults are rampant in churches. <clears throat> like, it's not, it's, you know, many of us have experienced some of these things, but I travel and speak and, and, and minister to people, and many people have experienced the same things that we've experienced. To lesser and greater degrees... But what it is, is the, the, the root behind it is when we're mixing the old and the new. No, no. Jesus came to give you a personal relationship with God. Can I get an amen? Don't let anybody take that away from you. Enjoy that. Relish that. And, 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 and also develop it. Can I get an amen? Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 5. And, you know, I had an unusual week this week. Um, <clears throat> I'm writing a new book. And so I'm trying to spend a few hours of writing every day. And so, I was really busy this week. Had a lot of stuff going on with family. <clears throat> Just had a really busy week. And um, had a lot on my plate. And, you know, in my mind, excuse me, I wanted to really kind of develop <clears throat> where we're going with the whole mental health thing. Because I didn't feel like I gave enough practical application last week. But in my, as I sit down to try to do that <clears throat> and get before the Lord, it wasn't, it wasn't there. God, it's like, no, that's not what I need you to do. And so I'm like, before, see, I, I don't just want to pull a sermon out of my notes. I want a word in due season. This is something I'm extremely passionate about. I want to hear what is God saying right now to the people. <clears throat> and um, I, I spend my, that, that's the way I live my life. And I'm very passionate about that. Why? Because me, I need a word in due season. I don't want some stale old sermon pulled out the box. Give me something out of your relationship with God. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's too much of that that goes on in the body of Christ. I want to know, you bring your relationship so it'll, it'll enhance my relationship. Amen. So anyway, in the midst of all that, I can't get God to tell me what to speak. And I'm just like, gosh, and that, as a minister, that makes you nervous. You don't like that. We, we don't, I don't want, I don't want to, I, I want to know what to do. Give me something to do. I got to stand before God's people. Give me, give me a message, you know. And I wasn't getting anything. And the days just kept ticking by, and I'm just getting nervous. <clears throat> and so I've been in this thing long enough, because usually when he's doing that, what he's asking me to do is trust him. He's saying, just trust me. You know, and, and none of us like that. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I mean, honestly, like, <clears throat> tell me what to do, Lord. Just trust me. Ooh, okay, gosh. That's what I'm called to do, right? I'm called to trust the Lord. Hallelujah. But, uh, but it, you know, but, and I always liken it to jumping off. It's like as your child learns that they can jump off the, um, the edge of the pool into your arms. When they first start doing it, you know, like Ethan is fully comfortable. I probably can't catch Ethan now. But <laughs> Here I come, Dad. <laughs> you catch me, man. <laughs> but, uh, but Eli, we, you know, I had to develop that in Eli. Now he's good with it. He's jumping and he's ready and he'll jump before I'm ready and all that. Why? Because there's an element of trust that's there. And I feel like in our relationship with God, we have moments where God says, I'm asking you to leap. I'm asking you to jump. And you're like, because when you jump, there's no solid ground when you're in the air. There's just trust that somebody's going to catch you. Amen. And so... I've walked with the Lord long enough with preaching that when He wants me to jump, then He's going to catch me. He always catches me. But when I try to fabricate my own plan, it's awful. It's really bad. And so as I, this week, as I kept working on a sermon, you know what I was doing? I was, 
If I work too hard on a sermon, it's because there's too much of me in it. Just being honest with you. If I'm spending too much time in study and I'm preparing, you know what's happening? We're, we're developing a Jeremiah sandcastle, <laughs> and it's going to crash. And so I was noticing that was happening, so I didn't know what, was, what the Lord was going to do. But God wanted me to teach on personal relationship today, and I'll give you another example. So there I am. It's Thursday, right? I've just got a couple days before I preach, and I need to go work. I need to go do my stuff, right? But my three-year-old, Eli, <clears throat> He's, I've just gotten out of the shower. I'm about to, a lot of times I got to leave the house to work, you know, because when you have kids and stuff like that, I mean, they always want you, you know, and you just got to kind of, you know, you got to go to a coffee shop or something like that. And so, um, and so I get out of the shower and I'm getting ready to leave. Now, in my mind, the logical thing to do is I need to go, I need to go so I can work, right? But Eli's in the bed and, and he just wants his daddy. He just wants his daddy, just wants his daddy, just wants his daddy, just wants his daddy, right? And so, in my mind, it's like, I love you, sweetheart, but, like, I've got things i got to do. You know, that's, how I many know, how I many know duty can cause you to miss the leading of the Spirit? Duty. And so there I am, but down here, the Lord's like, just lay with Him and hold Him. Just hold Him. And I'm like, okay, you know. Duty says, you got a job to do. You got something you got to do. But down here, it was like, just hold him. He needs you right now. You know what I'm saying? How many know the Spirit of God will lead you to do things that aren't logical, that are apart from duty? Not saying I don't want to hold my son or spend time with him because I do, but like, you know, how many know at the same time you have responsibilities and you have things that you have to do? And, and so there's a sense of duty that's going on. So anyway, <clears throat> I began to, so I just laid down and I held him. And I loved on him. He didn't want me to leave and all that type of stuff. And so, but as I laid there and held him, the Spirit of God came on me. And he told me what to preach. Because my, my, my leading and my unction and what to do <clears throat> was, was in a place of leading. Now, had I told my son out of a sense of duty, no, I must go to the coffee shop. I must pray for 30, 40 minutes, and then I must study the Word. I must, I must, I must, I must. How many know I could have missed the unction, and I wouldn't have gotten the treasure? But how many know the unction is more important than the duty? And I'm, please understand, I'm not saying there's not time to be like, look, i got to go do stuff. How many know there's time to do that too? But when the Spirit of God tells you, and it wasn't strong, it wasn't some mighty thing, it was just a little... How I many on the new covenant, man? I mean, how I many know as you sensitize yourself to the leading of the Spirit, it doesn't have to be this big thing. It can just be a tiny little thing. And the, <clears throat> you get more and more sensitive to it. You get more and more hearing it. <clears throat> and as you're led by the Spirit, <clears throat> awesome things happen. Supernatural things happen. So I laid there, and as, as I, as a father held him, my father held me. Ah, it's wonderful. And then he immediately gave me the Scripture out of 2 Samuel chapter 5. And he began to, to speak to me, really in a way, uh, as far as leading in the Spirit, which I hadn't really looked at it before. But, um, and, and, and before we turn there, or before we take a look at it, I just want to say this. There, there's a beautiful example of man-made religion and a man with relationship in Scripture that we can all learn from. And I'm talking about Saul and David. I mean, you know, that, that Saul had the title. Saul even had the anointing. Saul did not have a relationship. David had a relationship before he had the title. Before he had um, even the anointing to minister. He had the presence on him <clears throat> because of the time that he spent with the Lord. And so <clears throat> if you look at the life of David and you look at the life of Saul, you start to, you can understand some truths about man-made religion and personal relationship with the Lord. <clears throat> but in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17... This is David here. It says, Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephim. So David inquired of the Lord. Now this is what, this is what I want to bring out to you. David went to the Lord, what should I do? Now what I want to show you is if we look at Saul's life, 
Saul doesn't inquire of the Lord. Saul is consumed with doing what the people think is right. He's consumed with doing what everybody else thinks is right. But David went and inquired of the Lord. Now, if he had trusted in his own might and his own strength, he'd be like, I'm king, I'm a warrior, I'm going to beat these Philistines. But that wasn't his attitude. His attitude was relationship first. What does God want me to do here? And I just want to encourage you, in every area, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and He will direct your path. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Amen? And He will direct your path. I mean, that's one of the things I pray together in my family almost every day. We want to acknowledge the Lord. I mean, no, we want what the Lord wants. If you've lived long enough, you find out nothing else works. I don't want what I can produce. I don't want my ideas. I don't want my strength. I don't want my intellect. I want what God has. <clears throat> because if there's anything that I've proven to myself is that if I'm in it alone, it's going to not be good. And so, and that, I mean, you know, that's, that's an attitude we want to maintain our whole lives. And so David, he didn't trust in his strength. He didn't trust in his blade. He didn't trust in his army. <clears throat> he said, God, what should we do? And I love it. So David inquired of the Lord saying, <clears throat> excuse me, shall I go up against these Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. But he acknowledged the Lord, and the Lord's like, yeah, go get them. But let's continue. So David went to, to Baal of Perizim, and David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal of Perizim. <clears throat> and they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. And then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephim. And then David, now I want to, what I want to show you here, <clears throat> the Philistines come again, but David doesn't follow a formula. He's like, I'm not just going to do what I've always done. I'm going to ask God. How many of y'all, that's where man-made religion forms. How many of y'all, everybody's always trying to have revival in the place where revival already happened. <clears throat> I can promise you, it's not going to happen there. Why? Because you're not in control of something like that. When God's going to pour out His Spirit, He's going to pour out His Spirit. And we can't, we can't make God bring revival through a geographical location. How I many know you, you can't take something that's been done? You know, I mean, you didn't see Jesus have the ministry of shoving mud in people's eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like, he shoved, you know, he shoved mud in one eye, he'll shove mud in all the eyes. How I many know he only did that one time? And then there were other times where there were, there were, there were times when he healed and he didn't even touch the individual. He just spoke. <clears throat> what are you talking about, Jeremiah? Listen, there's not a formula for how God moves, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. And so David didn't bring a formula to the table. Well, God told me to get the. Philistines last time, he'll tell me to get the Philistines this time. No, he went and talked to the Lord. Therefore, David inquired the Lord and said, this is what the Lord said. He said, you shall not go up. Circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly. For then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him, and he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gazar. What happened here? David didn't bring a formula to the table. David brought a relationship. And out of a place of relationship, God told him to do something different. And honestly, I think in the days ahead, as far as like church and ministry goes, I think God's going to get out of the box. And God's going to do things differently. Now, I don't claim to know what that is or know what that's going to look like, but I do think that we have to realize that God may do some things that's different than what we're used to, and we have to be willing to walk with Him in a place of relationship into something that may be different. Are you all tracking me here? You know, I mean, just like when God led me hardcore to be in the online ministry, and then God told me to quit doing that and get out in the streets. 
there's different seasons, you know, for different things, and there's different ways that, that God leads, and there's different things that God does, and we have to understand that nothing is a formula. It's all spirit-led. I mean, that's the beauty of having a relationship with the Lord. Sometimes the Lord will tell you, hey, you need to go do this. Sometimes the Lord will say, lay down in the bed with your child and hold them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Same, for, same for, for every aspect of our lives. We have to let the Spirit govern our hearts. Underneath the governing of the Word. You can, the, and I say this all the time because you can't, the Spirit of God is not going to lead you contrary to Scripture. It's not, man. Scripture is your safe place. Okay? But Scripture, there's no Scripture that said, Thou shalt not go to the coffee shop, thou shalt lay down with thy son. <laughs> we didn't have that one. You know, and so <clears throat> the Spirit of God will connect the dots in your life. Can I get an amen here? Amen? Now, turn to uh, 1 Samuel 15, please, and we'll take a look at Saul and um, <clears throat> just the difference between a relationship and a, and a formula. Relationship is where it's at. So God spoke to, to Saul and said, you know, I want you to take out the Amalekites. I want you to take them out, um, take them all out. And, and, you know, what you have to understand <clears throat> under the Old Covenant is that, you know, under the Old Covenant, nobody got, a de there was never a demon cast out in the Old Covenant because the ability to do so hadn't come about just yet. When Jesus came, he had the ability to heal leprosy. When Jesus came, he had the ability to cast out a demon. Under the Old Covenant, it's kind of like if you have a rotten apple in a bowl full of apples, I mean, you know, the way you deliver the bowl full of apples is you take that rotten apple and you throw it away. That's how things were back in, the, back in these days. And so when, when, when God's like saying, hey, we need to take out the Amalekites, what God's doing is he's actually cutting off a rottenness that's affecting all the other people. How many of you know under the New Testament, Amalekites get saved? I stand before you today, I'm a Gentile. You know, I'm not a Jew. So I just, I want to bring that point out to you so you don't read through the Old Testament and think, man, God was vicious in the Old Testament and he's not vicious in the New Testament. No, it's always been God's will that all men be saved. But the instrument of salvation didn't come until Jesus came. Jesus had the ability to, to deliver and set free. Nobody else did. And so God executes a judgment against the Amalekites and tells Saul, hey, I need you to go do this, but he doesn't do it. He begins to disobey the Lord. And we're going to take a look at, at, at what man-made religion, a formula looks like as opposed to relationship, which we just saw with David. It says, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Now I want to bring, you, bring about two things that are happening here. He didn't, he didn't spare Agag, which is the king, and then they took all the good stuff for themselves. Two things are happening here, pride and greed. Why pride? Because it, was, it, it, was, it, it made a king feel good about himself if he could take another king and parade him about. I mean, you know, God wasn't looking to build Saul's pride uh, repertoire. <clears throat> because how I many you know ultimately all victory comes from the Lord? But what's happening is Saul's starting to transition out of serving God out of a place of relationship into serving God out of a place of man-made religious tradition. So he didn't spare the king because he wanted to boast over the king. And the next thing it is, he got caught up in greed. He said, oh, we can't, we can't kill the good stuff. We can't kill, you know, the, the, you know, the lambs and the goods and the fatlings and the oxen and the sheep. No, we got to keep that stuff. How I many you know when, when there's a departure from a relationship with God, money starts to become more important than what God wants you to do? How I many of you see that all the time in, in the church, unfortunately? And so they, they exalted pride and they exalted greed. And then so Samuel comes. He says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me, has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed, look at this, this is amazing, he set up a monument for himself. This brother, after he did the Amalekites, the way he wanted to do it, he said, you know what we need? We need a statue of me. 
That's what we need, because I'm awesome. And now, how many know that you see a lot of that, unfortunately, in modern day Christianity? We see a lot of statues of people. And, you know, if you look at Saul's transgressions and you compare them to David's, you think, I mean, it looks like David did a lot worse, worse, worse stuff. David had somebody killed and committed adultery. That seems worse than not perfectly fulfilling the commandment of the Lord. But what I want to show you is David had a weakness in his flesh, but his heart was with God. He was a man after God's own heart. He loved God, but the man was weak in his flesh. How I many know oh, we're all pretty much the same? How I many know oh, we love God, but our flesh is weak? It's a part of being... David's an example of a New Testament believer. Saul had a great show outwardly, but his heart was not right with God. Saul could care less what God thought. And we're going to look at it in Scripture. All he cared about is what everybody else thought. How I many know if, if all you care about is what everybody else thinks, it's going to be real difficult for you to serve a God that's going to ask you to do contrary to what everybody else thinks? <clears throat> See, there. praise God. One of the things that's infiltrated our churches is this sense of, 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 of politicking and the sense of, you know, what are you talking about, Jeremiah? Honestly, man, I mean, if someone's appointed by God, they're appointed by God. It's, someone shouldn't have the ability to vote somebody out if they're appointed by God. I know I'm hitting some church-type stuff there, but, but, like, the church should be different than the way the world functions. Amen? But unfortunately, so much of the church, they're left, if they don't please the deacons... They don't please this portion. They don't please the rich people in the church. Then, hey, they're out. Do you know what that means? They can't serve God. <clears throat> no, they can't serve God. They're serving the people. And at the end of the day, usually the issue is money. Oh, I hate it, man. It's so gross. How I many know oh, you can't serve God and money at the same time? You got to serve God. You serve God and money will serve you. But if you make money a God, you can't serve God. You got to go around making people happy so they'll keep giving you money. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I'm not like that. I'm so glad I'm free from that. I'm so glad that I went through what my, my family and I went through when we got set free from money being our God. So thankful for that period of my, of, of my life. So grateful for that. At the time, it was awful at, at times just because of the pressure. Oh man, I mean, it really, I mean, it wasn't bad from a sense of in that we went like without meals or anything like that, but it's just the pressure on me as a husband to provide for my family. Because when I, and, and, and I did all right during the daytime, but when I go to the bathroom at night, the devil would just hit me with every fiery dollar. You know, just, just like, you call yourself a man, he that won't provide for his family is worse than an infidel. That was his favorite scripture to hit me with, man. And, and, and there I'd go to the bathroom like, I'm trying to serve God. <laughs> you know, how many know just because you step out of the boat don't mean that you're all smiles as the, as the storm hits? I mean, I, I've not seen anybody step out when, when they were joyful the whole time if, as humans, you know. And you have moments of doubt. But you know what? I'm thankful for those times now because money's not my God. We've never made our decisions based on that. Because of, because of thankfully that season, I'm not saying that to boast in myself. I'm just saying that, that I'm just so thankful that I don't have to serve that stuff, man. So thankful, man. Because that's a hard life for an individual when they start doing that. But it happens to so many ministers. It happens to so many men and women of God. But so then, so he, so he makes a monument to himself. And then, then Samuel, and I love this. This is so religious. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Now, how many know that that is straight up for show? There is nothing that's come out of his heart in that statement. But what's he doing? He's, he's, he's self-righteous and full of man-made religion. His heart is far from God. What's he doing? He, he, he's putting on a show. How many know religion puts on a show? It's all about showmanship. Make everybody happy. And I love what Samuel says. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the ox which I hear? I can hear your disobedience. And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people, the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice, to sacrifice to the Lord our God. And the rest we've utterly destroyed. So what's he doing? He's working a system here. A, 
it's all about what the people want. And then B, but we're going to sacrifice to the Lord. We're going to take all this and we're going to... How many know God says it's better to obey than to sacrifice? Praise God. But what happens is he's cutting this side little covenant with God that God's not involved in. Amen. Talking about, how I many know oh, this is not someone that has a relationship with God? This is someone that has a relationship with the admiration of the people. Amen. And then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, and when you're not the head of, were you not head of the tribes of Israel, and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord has sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites. Fight against them until they are consumed. When did you not obey the voice of the Lord? When did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And, and Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalekite. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the Lord took of, but the people took of the plunder of the sheep and the oxen and the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, but to sacrifice to the Lord our God. And then Samuel said, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying the voice of the Lord? So he starts really kind of going into, you know, his, his, you know, his issues and his, his disobedience. And I guess I'll just go ahead and read it. He says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. How I many he's speaking to a guy that doesn't have a relationship? He's got a showmanship. So, and he says, And to heed than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is, is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he's also rejected you from being king. And then, Sam, and then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord your God, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, so he's saying, he's trying to, he's kind of trying to repent, but he's not really repenting at all here. He says, Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you've rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord's rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. And so Samuel said to him, The Lord has, has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not, rely, not lie or relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. And then he said, I have sinned. Now listen to this. Yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. What's he, what's he concerned about? What people think. He does not, he has no iota of relationship with God in his heart. It's all about what people think. He said, return with honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and worship. Now, Samuel relented and went and worshiped with him. What kind of worship service was that? <clears throat> How many of you it was all about show? How many of you God wasn't in it at all? How many of you God was not being worshipped from Saul's heart? How many of you Saul was up there like this? You know what he was worshipping? The people's admiration of him. <clears throat> and unfortunately, we see this everywhere um, in Christianity we see people, but, but here's the thing. I mean, many, many people, they don't even know how to have a relationship with the Lord. So don't fault these people. You know, how many know, how many know there's redemption for Saul's in the New Covenant? I need an amen on that. How many know the perfect example? That's Paul. It's no coincidence that his name was Saul. How many know Saul was a self-righteous Pharisee? But how many know God saved him? And then ended up revealing the gospel of grace to him. So, you know, under the old covenant, of course, a lot of these things are typologies for us. But under the new covenant, how many of there's salvation for Saul's? It's not like this death sentence like it is under the old. You know, and what if you grew up in that type of environment? How many of the only thing you would know was showmanship? How many of da Saul's daughter, Michael, when she saw David out dancing before the Lord with all of his might, she despised David in her heart. And David came in and was like, what? And she was like, look at you, inglorious out there, revealing yourself to the young maidens. And he was like, it's before the Lord. And, and 
What, what he was, she was so concerned what everybody thought about him. And he was saying, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm, I'm here to worship God. But she had never known anything else. She had only known the, the stately pomp of religious tradition. And then she's like, you're making us look bad. And David's like, I don't care. And he was like, and then David, you know, he's like, God chose me over your father. And he brought me here because, you know, because I have a relationship with him, not because I'm concerned about what people think. But when people grow up in that type of environment, I mean, there's all kinds of people that think they're serving God, but they're just serving a system, man. They're just serving a system of man's approval. Now, God wants to reach out to every one of those people and give them a real relationship with him. Can I get an amen? And how many know that, that those structures are currently being rocked? Aren't they? All these religious structures are being shaken. How many of people are coming out of churches and out of tradition? You know what I'm saying? They're coming out. Why? Because they're not rooted in anything. But what I want you to understand is don't despair because God's going to bring those people into Himself in a place of relationship. And I'm talking about the Lord doing that. Amen. I mean, you know, we can have an entire generation of young people that have a relationship with God. Can you get an amen? And the way they have church and what it looks like might not look like what we're used to. But what if God's all over it? What if it's just as radical as the Jesus movement? What if it happens out here in these concerts and these campgrounds and, and the Spirit of God starts falling on these young people and they start worshiping God and and, and, but they don't want to go to a church, and, and they don't want to, to serve necessarily the way you, they, you, we serve, and they don't want to dress the way we dress, and they don't want to look the way they will. But can our God reach them? Can our God light them on fire and turn the world upside down because they decided to reject man-made religion but not reject truth? I'm just telling you, in the days ahead, there's going to be some very radical things that are going to happen but it's going to be out of a place of relationship. It, it might not look good to Saul's. It might not look good to, to, to Saul's daughter, Michael. They may look at that and be disdained upon that. I think that's a little bit too radical. You know, I think that's a little bit too whatever. But I mean, you know, once again, God is not affected by people's opinions. He's going to do what He wants to do. And it's going to be awesome. But it may challenge the framework of what we understand that church is. Now, it's always going to line up with Scripture. And it's always going to produce love. Because it has to. Because you know a tree by its fruit. If, there's, if, it, if, it's, if, it, if it's outside of Scripture, it's not the Lord. And if there's an absence of love, it's not the Lord. Can I get an amen? I mean, that's our guiding light right there. We have to, and, and it must be Jesus-centered. Jesus has got to be in the center of it. But relationship will cause unusual and radical things to happen. And I do believe in the days ahead that God's going to do some really cool, unusual stuff. And, and we have to be spirit-led in order to either be a part of it or not condemn it and to just let God lead us and give room for other people to be led by the Spirit of God. I mean, you know, a part of being in the New Testament is you don't try to lord over somebody's relationship with God. You give people some space and you let people hear God for themselves. And you, you know, it, it, just like if you never give someone the opportunity to, to step out and to move forward, how many know they're never going to grow? You're just like Ethan right now. He's driving, he's driving now, you know, and he's driving and we try to let him drive as much as we can. But, you know, how many know if I never let him drive and never gave him, never gave him the wheel, he'd never learn how to handle the freedom and liberty? He must be given the wheel. And, and in giving him the wheel, how I many you know there are times when he's going to do great and there's going to be times when he makes mistakes? But the wheel must be given to him in order to grow up. How I many you know we have to trust God enough in each other to give each other the wheel? So that, so that we can trust that people are hearing God. Can I get an amen? So important because when you're hearing God, in a place of relationship, and I'm hearing God in a place of relationship, and we're all hearing God. How many of good things happen? What are you talking about? Spirit-led church. Relational. Spirit-led. We're, we're doing what God's telling us to do. 
Amen. And then awesome things happen. So when we're out in the streets, in the market, how I many know we may not, and the thing about this church is <clears throat> most of us don't live anywhere near each other. People travel to come to this church. I travel to come to this church. But as you're in your place, how I many know we are a part of the body of Christ? And as you're being led of the Spirit, you're shining the light and getting things done in the name of Jesus, and you don't need me looking over your shoulder. You need to let the Spirit of God lead you in what you're doing. I mean, oh, that's real maturity. That's real being grown up and mature in the things of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Different kind of sermon today. Praise God. Amen took a, 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 just your personal relationship and then also just a synopsis of the body of Christ. You know, as man-made religion gets torn down and destroyed, it's a good thing. Amen? It doesn't mean that Christianity is dissolving. It means it's being reborn in spirit and in truth. So when you see the statistics about young people, you know, walking away from this or questioning this or whatever, please understand that God's setting the stage for awesome things to happen. You know, and just because you're looking at somebody and you're thinking, well, man, they must not, you know, what, what's going on in their life? Well, just let God do what God does. Amen? Now, if, what, if it doesn't line up with Scripture, then we don't want it. Can I get an amen? Scripture is what keeps us, it's, it's our grounding truth. But other than that, man, God's going to do some wild stuff. And it's going to be awesome because our world needs some wild stuff right now. We need some outpouring of the Spirit of God. Amen? We need God to do unusual things. So... Anyway, praise God. Very different. Thank you, Lord. 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 So let's pray. Let's pray over our country and let's pray over the young people. Father, we just thank you. I just thank you, Lord, that, that um, each of us here, Lord, that we, we come to the table of relationship with you, Lord. We sup with you. You're knocking on the door. I thank you, Lord. We're not married to our traditions and our formulas, but Lord, we'd have the, the audacity to be like David and say, Lord, what do you want us to do? And I thank you that you help all of us to come to that place individually and even as a church, that we could hear from you personally, we could hear from you corporately, we could just allow you to lead us, Lord. We know the days ahead are going to take New things, Lord. Behold, you do a new thing. Out of the box type of things, Lord. And I thank you that we'd have the courage and bravery to walk with you in a place of relationship. That you lead us and guide us into those beautiful places, Lord. And I just thank you for it. I just thank you that, that we are the righteousness of God. That we are forgiven and that we are loved and that we are one. And that we can hear your voice and be led by your Spirit. And Lord, I also I just lift up this generation that's coming up. That they would they'd reject Saul's armor and they'd take on the heart of David. And Lord, they'd slay all the giants that are before them. Not with the might of their own hands, Lord, but with the might of the covenant that you've given to them. I thank you that we give place to these young people and to these people that are coming in and that we uh, aren't quick to disdain them or to judge them, but to, um, to recognize what you're doing in them, Lord, and recognize the growth. And it may not be the path that we've taken, but Lord, you're, you're always trailblazing new paths, Lord. And I thank you that you make a way where there is no way. And Lord, you cause waters to spring forth in the desert. And you, that's what you do. You're a God of the miraculous. You're a God of... And Lord, I, I also thank you that you help us to step out of our comfort zone. Lord, I, I just thank you that we wouldn't um, exalt comfort above leading. That uh, we'd allow the comfort to fall to the wayside when you're leading us to do something that is uncomfortable. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that. We make a decision to choose life, to choose relationship. Can we stop all the racket and stuff right now? I'm trying to pray. Thank you. I thank you for that, Lord. We, we want to take this to a holy moment right now. And I know we got things going on and all that, but let's, let's just honor the presence of God. Lord, I thank You that You lead us out of the place of what's comfortable and into the place of relationship. 
I thank you, Lord, that there's leading that you're going to do in each individual in their daily lives, Lord God. Just like me, when you led me in that gas station, Lord, you may be leading them to do something in a store or in a gas station or in their families, something that's unusual, something that's different, something that's not the norm. Maybe leading them to go into places that other people don't go. Places where people might even judge them for being there. But Lord, I thank you that they're called to be a light. <clears throat> and I thank you that their, their approval comes from you and from you alone. And that the strength of that relationship that they have with you would be maintained by the grace of God. And that Lord, just like you declared in the new covenant, not, we all shouldn't teach each other, know the Lord, know the Lord, know the Lord, but we shall all know you from the least of us to the greatest. And Lord, I just thank you for the adventures that are in front of us, for the paths of peace that you will create, because we are they that know our God and are strong, and we will do exploits in your name. And right now, I just invite you to, to ask the Lord to, to do that. To, for you to receive that because He wants it for you. He doesn't want a formula for you. He doesn't want what's always been done. He's wanting to do some new things in your life. I'm speaking to everybody here. I'm also speaking to everybody that's online. And just say yes to Him from your heart. No one can make you, of course. But God's going to ask you to get out of your comfort zone in the days ahead. There's a lot of ministry. There's a lot of light to shine. It's going to look different. It's going to be organic. It's going to be real. It's going to be alive. Lord, take us by your hand and lead us in the paths of peace. Let us be the light. Let us be the salt. Let us be the help in our land. Lord, we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. Do y'all feel the presence of the Lord? I do too. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 It's just so easy to, to fall into what we always do, you know. It's so easy to be creatures of comfort, amen. God calling us out of that, calling us into a new place. Amen, it's good. Well, if you need to give it out this morning, lift your hand up and Dan will get one to you.